Hi, I'm TJ Manisterski, and this is my Coaching Project podcast, where I connect with leaders in search of breakthrough knowledge. These are authentic conversations that I'm making accessible to the coaching and high-performance community and leaders anywhere who can take some food for thought from our dialogue. Today, I'm speaking with Wes Wolf, assistant coach of the Erie Otters of the Ontario Hockey League. Wes, it's terrific to speak with you today, and thanks for joining me. Well, thanks for having me. I, I've been listening to uh, some of the podcasts you put out already, so I'm, I'm pretty excited to be joining you. Yeah, well, that's awesome. I love learning about the stories, the coaching stories of, of each person because they're so unique. And, you know, there's no way, one way to, to get through this journey. And, um, and they're really interesting. So for you, you know, the thing that jumps out to me is, is you know, you're a young guy, right? Like you're 30 years old. You, you've four years in the Ontario Hockey League with the Erie Otters. You've, you've been to a Memorial Cup. You've coached some really up-and-coming NHL superstars, Dylan Strom and Alex Dabrinkat, for example. Uh, you've already been a head coach and a manager in the, the Greater Ontario Junior Hockey League. And, um, but but having knowing, knowing you a little bit, uh, I also know that your, your rise is not really the, the traditional way that uh, you, know, you know, might expect. So can you start off by, by sharing a little bit about the background behind those, uh, those highlights of your story? You know, when I was playing uh, junior C hockey for the Chippewa Riverhawks, I'll give them a little bit of a plug. I got into coaching. I have a younger brother. He's uh, four years younger than me. So I was about 16 or 17. I, I started coaching his house league hockey team. Um, you know, when my playing junior career was done, I, I had the opportunity to be AAA head coach. They were eight years old. Um, it was a great experience being a head coach and having some of my buddies help me out. We had a ton of fun. Our teams were horrible. We, you know, we, uh, I think we only won six or seven games that first year, but it was a, it was a great learning experience and I really enjoyed it. So, um, you know, I did that for a few years, um, got to minor midget AAA in my third year coaching. That's the OHL draft year. They're 15 years old. Um, got to experience a whole new world of, of coaching um, with a little bit more attention and, and talking to scouts. So again, our team was not very good, but um, you know, I, I think I learned a lot more about high performance coaching. Uh, that was kind of my first introduction to it. And um, you know, at the same time, um, you know, talking about, I guess, divergence, I was, uh, I was working as a sales consultant for a sports manufacturing company called Harrow Sports. Uh, I was an account manager basically selling um, and, and communicating directly with hockey coaches and programs across North America. Um, and so that was a great opportunity too, to, you know, to meet different coaches and get my foot in the door in different locker rooms and, and, and absorb all the cultures of, you know, different hockey teams across uh, North America. I had my first opportunity to be a head coach. I was 24 years old with the uh, Port Colburn Pirates. We, we relocated before the season started, became the Pelham Pirates, um, and then, you know, started off 0-16, got fired, and found myself, um, you know, <laughs> kind of at a crossroads, but luckily, um, through some fortune, it was only for a couple hours, was able to get on as an assistant coach with uh, St. Catharines Falcons in the same league. I was an assistant for half a season, became the head coach the next year, and then really through luck and opportunity um, was able to get a job with the Erie Otters as an assistant coach. So that's sort of the Coles notes version, but uh, kind of all over the place. 
I've been coaching at the college level for, geez, like 13 years now. And I'm comfortable that in that environment. And when you were talking about coaching eight-year-olds, that frightens me. So I've been, I've had the chance at different times to get out on the ice with some younger kids and it's a whole different ball game and, and your, your, your techniques, the coaching change, uh, the way you need to communicate changes. And I can tell you that it, it also helps me coach my players. When I come back to the rink after spending a, you know, a Sunday morning with some younger players and uh, being able to take that experience to uh, my players is, has been useful. I'm curious to know about your experience with Harrow Sports and, you know, selling uh, hockey equipment and sticks. You know, how did that impact sort of your, uh, your network, but also what skills did you learn in that sales job that, that maybe you, you lean on uh, now as a coach in Erie? Yeah, it's, um, I think it was a critical part of, of my professional development more than anything else. I think being in a setting um, where you're trying to, connect with someone uh, for the purpose of selling them is really not much different than, than coaching in itself. I mean, I think you're selling your ideas to your players. And, um, you know, that was something that I think really helped hone those skills for me. You know, it was being comfortable, um, preparing for presentations and, and getting to, uh, and getting to talk and, and sell ideas. And, uh, you know, it, it was really interesting, um, Part of the job was going down to the American Hockey Coaches Association conference down in Naples every year. And we'd go down as a vendor um, and, and set up our booth and, you know, set up off-site. We had a little spot at a, a tiki bar down in Naples that we hung out with all the ACHA coaches. And, um, one thing that I always took from that, you know, I think I did it for four years, was... Um, you know, just seeing how coaches interacted with each other and the language that they spoke. And, uh, you know, it, <clears throat> as most hockey people know, I think we have our own language and just taking in some of those things and, and trying to, to learn from how they were talking to each other. Um, maybe I was eavesdropping a little bit, but it was, uh, you know, it was a great opportunity, like I said, just to, to hear how different people were doing things and you know, as much as I was there for a purpose to sell, I, I was learning just as much <clears throat> probably through osmosis being in that environment. So I, I draw back on a lot of those um, experiences and conversations. And, and I think, you know, a lot of those skills translate really well into coaching. When I was at Fredonia State, which is not too far from Erie, actually, uh, just, just up the, the I-90 there, yeah. um, I had the opportunity. I, I was the assistant coach, but I also got to teach classes in the sport management department and looking back on it that experience was instrumental in helping me gain comfort and skill in presenting to to a group and to different groups so i learned like the preparation involved for for that uh you know you're going to lead a class in a, in a subject uh you know you really need to prepare but then also when it sometimes things have a way of, of kind of going off the rails and, and being able to think on your feet and adapt and um, you know, that sort of thing was, was really um, so beneficial that, that I lean on, you know, every day uh, at the rink with, you know, with, with my guys and, and, but there were some times, right. Where, where it doesn't go great and, and, and you make mistakes and you fail. And, and, uh, and you, you touched on one thing there about when you, you took over, the, the Pelham team 
as your first chance as a head coach and you go oh and 16 so um you know how did that experience uh, of failing you know ultimately help you or you know how did that affect your journey and um you know and and how would you how do you embrace those those failures or those setbacks I think it probably starts back to some of those experiences I had working in sales. I mean, sales is a, is a really tough job and it's one um, where you experience a lot of failure every single day. You're going to get a lot more no's than you are going to get yeses. So I think I was pretty well versed uh, in failure by the time that, you know, uh, translating it into coaching, I, I was pretty used to, not seeing uh, the level of success maybe that you that you want right off the bat so um yeah i, I mean the uh you know the pelham team um that i you know took over it, it was kind of funny how it happened i mean it was um i was coaching midget triple a and uh we had some players who were affiliated with different junior b teams and so their team um their head coach actually took a puck in the head at practice and was concussed and he was unable to run their bench for the last two games of the season and they needed somebody. And because the, um, the owner and general manager of that team was, you know, talking to me about our affiliated players, he said, Hey, how do you, how do you feel about coming to help us out? So I said, sure. It sounded like a great opportunity. And, uh, that's how I ended up going there. And, you know, the, the two games that I did, uh, I guess things went well. And so they offered me the job to take over as the head coach for the next year. So, um, I kind of alluded to it, but at the time, um, you know, there were the Port Colburn Pirates in a brand new facility in the Niagara region. It had a YMCA, and brand new locker room with uh, stalls, and it, it was it was beautiful. Um, but things weren't uh, weren't too healthy in the relationship with the city there, and so the owner actually had to relocate the team in the summertime before we took over uh, officially. And so we went from this brand new arena. To, uh, to the Pelham Arena, which was the oldest building in the Niagara region, didn't have a locker room for our team. So they had to put a portable uh, trailer outside the building for our guys to get dressed in. I mean, everything that could have went bad, went bad. And I think that probably should have been a good sign for, for us that maybe the team wasn't going to get off to a good start. Uh, we had you know, no returning players. I think there was one returning player coming back, which you don't see too often in junior B. And um, yeah, it was, it was certainly challenging, but uh, you know, one thing I think through that experience, you know, was, I, I think I, I learned that, um, you know, even though you're not necessarily getting the results you want, the attention to your everyday process is, is what kind of keeps you sane and focused. And, you know, we, we certainly didn't have a very good team, but I was so impressed at our players' mentality, coming to the rink every day, ready to work, ready to learn. They were young guys. And, um, they really didn't uh, let the failure affect how, how the mood of the team was. And so um, I think probably some of that, you know, came from the coaching staff. My, my assistant coach was a guy that I was actually working with at Harrow and, uh, you know, I, I think we just kind of leaned into that failure and, and tried to turn it into as much positive as we could. Yeah, so we were having a, a challenging season maybe six, seven years ago. And that's when I first came across the term growth mindset. And, you know, it's very popular now. 
at the time it wasn't really being talked about a whole lot. And we, so that season we introduced that term to our team and, and, and discuss what it meant. And, and we leaned into that. We had to, and that was a huge, huge year of learning for me. And I think for the players and, and just that, Hey, adversity can be opportunity. And, and what we learn from it is important. You know, and we think I was talking to a guy by the name of Brett Gould, who's actually lives in Fredonia and he had some brilliant analogy about growth and failing. So when a baby's learning to walk, right? And, and he falls, like we get excited, like good job. Like we're really happy for them that they fell. And, uh, and the other thing is when you're learning to ride a bike, you know, you, you, you start with the training wheels, right? And then you take the training wheels off, but then, you know, mom or dad has got a hand on the, on the handlebars and then eventually you let go and you know, you know, what's going to happen is that, that kid's going to fall off their bike at some point. And that's part of it. So, learning to you know preparing to fail and, and that idea of failing forward like it's going to happen so it is such an important life skill and coaching skill and, and skill for players is to expect it uh and then have that mindset of, of okay how do we respond when it happens right um but then preparing to it to fail too like there's a couple of things that we've done and i'm interested to see if you do something similar with erie or if you've done it in in the past like call it a pre-mortem so with the coaching staff we have a game plan we have uh you know we know what we want to do but if it, if we're unsuccessful if we don't win today why is that let's look into the future what are the reasons why we we didn't succeed you know and it's similar to this this uh term called red teaming and where you could actually have a coaching staff member his job is to poke holes in, in the whole plan and really just, um, this isn't going to work and here's why. Sort of like the devil's advocate uh, uh, viewpoint. So how, how have you guys, do you do anything like that? Or, or how do you guys sort of, of work with your, either on a, on, a, on a micro level with your players preparing to fail and how they face adversity? Uh, because your players are under a great deal of pressure. And, but then on a team front too, there's going, listen, you're going to lose a game. You're going to get scored on. Like these are predictable events. So how are we doing uh, a better job of, of preparing for those moments? Yeah, I think it, it happens on a couple levels. I mean, one, um, you know, the associate coach for our team, BJ Adams and myself, our, our, our desks are back to back. So we get to kind of have discussion all day when, when he's, you know, pounding his fist on the table, watching video, or I'm doing the same. We get frustrated watching things. We can kind of turn around and look at the other guy's screen and see what's going on. And so, um, he, he's responsible for the penalty kill, um, primarily with our team and, um, myself, the power play. So one thing that we try to do all the time is, is look at it from the other's point of view. Hey, if, if you know, you're the opposing power play, you're watching this, tell me what you think, um, and vice versa. You know, we try and, and feed off each other that way to, you know, to build plans and, and to poke holes, like he said, and what we're doing and see it from a, a different perspective. Cause I think, you kind of get uh, myopic sometimes if you're so narrow-minded as the power play coach, you're focused on the power play, but not so much um, looking at it from a penalty killing standpoint. So you know, that's something that we do a lot. Um, and, and I think, you know, this idea, um, you know, for players that, that failure doesn't define you, it, it refines you. And I think a lot of it has to do with framing, you know, in, in baseball, uh, I know this is an analogy used a lot, but 
you know, if you're, if you're hitting one out of every three, um, you're a proficient hitter in baseball. And so that means that you're failing 66% of the time, you know, um, you're, you're not getting a hit, but that's viewed as a, a great success in that sport. You know, in, in hockey, it's hard to, um, it's hard to quantify sometimes the, um, the growth you get from mistakes. And so, you know, I, I think um, in, when you talk about preparing for failure, I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, with mental framing. And so one of the things that I've done in the past, we haven't done it in Erie, but I know, um, you know, when I was coaching minor midget, we, uh, we had all of our players write letters to themselves from the future. Um, and, and instead of talking about all the successes along the way, talk about all the failures that happened along the way. Maybe it was uh, you didn't get drafted in the OHL and what you needed to do next to get you to where you wanted to go. And I think when you can put yourself um, you know, remove yourself from your immediate circumstance and look ahead, um, but look back at what's going to come. I think it prepares you a little bit uh, from a visualization standpoint that, you know, uh, this is going to happen, but you have a roadmap now to, um, to prepare for it and execute moving forward so that, you know, it doesn't take you by surprise. Because I think, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you know, agree or disagree, um, you know, you fall back in times of pressure on, on your training, how you prepare it. I mean, that's, that's why you do it. You, you, you kind of, uh, you know, you fall to the level of your preparation um, to rise to the expectation. So uh, I'm sure you've had the same experience, you know, um, coaching everywhere that you've been. Yeah, those are really good points. And it immediately makes me think of uh, when, you, when you're goal setting. So what is really interesting how you went backwards, right? You know, from the, from the lens of the future, looking back at the things that, you know, the failures or the mistakes or the things went wrong. But when you're goal setting, what I found is that it's really important to, when you identify your goal, to also identify the obstacles or the things that could go wrong or prevent you from achieving them. Because a lot of times, like the big ones are really predictable. And so just by identifying them and, and writing them down or, or talking about them, um, I think it brings it into focus for the, for the athlete at, or, and the coach. And, and you're more likely to uh, avoid those, those pitfalls. And if you take it the next step further of, okay, we've identified them. So how are we going to avoid them? So one thing is in goals is, is okay, what do we have to do to achieve that goal? But the other thing is, is how do we prevent those, those things that are fairly predictable that could get in our way? Um, you know, and, and I think that that's true no matter what the goal is, you know, in any way. And, um, you know, I think the other thing, you know, about, about setting a goal and, um, from a, from a personal development standpoint, uh, a team standpoint is, is part of, you know, building, building who you are and your image and your brand. Um, how, how have you approached that, you know, coming from your playing background, uh, break it, you know, pretty impressive to be able to break into the Ontario hockey league, which, which is, which is a tough egg to crack for a lot of people. Um, have you, have you thought about your image and your brand and who you are as a coach and, and, and to differentiate yourself and, and how do you lean on that every day in the room? Because it's not like, you, you know, you're going to go in there and say, Hey, well, you got to do it this way because I, you know, for 12 years in the national hockey league that it worked for me. So you should do it. 
Yeah, it's uh, certainly an intentional strategy, at least for me. And it may come from, you know, that sales and marketing background. I went to school for, for marketing um, and branding is, is a really big part of, you know, that whole, uh, that whole world and, and sales, you know, everything is about the brand. And so, you know, early on um, in my coaching career, one word that always pops up and it's, it's still a buzzword is identity. And, you know, we're constantly looking at how we build the identity of our, our team. Um, but I think it's important too to, to reflect on your, your personal identity. And, you know, for me, uh, I kind of glazed over, you know, that, that whole journey up. But one of the things that I think I really take pride in um, is, is my commitment to personal growth and development. And so, you know, on the way up, all the coaching clinics and seminars and things that I attended, um, you know, were an opportunity, you know, as I was doing them to, to sort of build my brand with people there and say, Hey, this guy's at everything. You know, I, I see him all the time um, asking questions and getting to meet people. And, and then on top of that, you know, I, I think I've kind of had the advantage of growing up with um, social media as it was growing and, you know, uh, using those platforms, you know, you can use them negatively or positively to sort of uh, establish that, you know, personal image. And I think something that I've really tried to do is, um, you know, be a positive reflection of who I am. And, and I think, you know, ultimately that brand impacts others and, and how they see you because, you know, we talk about this all the time, but uh, perception is reality. You know, how people see you, uh, what they think is based on that image and that brand. And um, really that that's all that matters for the, you know, uh, you know, when it comes time to recruit or it comes time to, to apply for a job, you know, that's that first impression um, is, is social media and all the things that, you know, people can can recite back um, based on their experiences with you. You're right. And I think that the idea of uh, you know sustainability and being able over the long term in terms of branding and image is that uh, that authenticity to it too because if you the further your your authentic self is from that image that you're building if there's a gap there it's going to be hard to sustain that so finding a way to to share the best parts of you and the image that you want to portray but then also it has to actually be who you are um, an example I would give you for that is to bring it back to hockey and identity, which you mentioned is, you know, we'll ask the, our boss that my team, like we, we have an identity. This is how we want to play. But what do you think, uh, you know, how do our opponents describe us after the game? Like, doesn't matter the outcome, win, lose, or draw. How are our opponents going to describe us? What did it feel like to play us? What does it feel like to come into our rank? before the game like there's a feeling when you go in different ranks different teams they have a they have an identity and uh you know so it's one thing to say we are this and put it on the wall it's another thing to to have that actually materialize itself and how you behave and how it feels to be to interact with you whether it's a, in a competition or uh you know as an individual and and you brought up another great point like the social media from a player's standpoint like it's such a big topic and it could be such an advantage and a weapon for good for these players to create their image and their brand using social media. 
and not worry about being the coolest guy on campus on Instagram or Snapchat. You know, don't worry about that. Like use this as, as an opportunity to build your, your footprint online to, to shape who you are because people um, see it and, and you want that to be uh, representative of, of uh, you know, who you want to be. And I think that, you know, those are, those are really good points. Um, now what about as a, as a, you know, as a coach, you know, is there, like, how do you stay true on a daily basis? Like stay true to, to who you are. Um, you know, so you're a, you're a growth guy, you're, you're a development guy, you're always constantly getting better. You're, um, you know, you're creating a brand as well through, uh, you know, the Niagara hockey coaches seminar and, and being somebody who can execute that and pull people together and, and contribute to the community of, of coaches. Um, you know, are you, is that something that's intentional? Like how often do you revisit that and, and how are you, you working on that daily? Well, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Talking the talk is one thing, and that's certainly part of, of branding is talking the talk, but walking the walk is really what matters. And, you know, there's a, an old quote, uh, I, I want to say it's Winston Churchill, but it's, you know, vision without execution is just hallucination. And so whether it's your personal brand or it's your team brand, um, you know, you can portray yourself as something, um, you can see yourself as something, but it's completely different um, if you're not executing on it. And I, that's probably true for more than just, you know, branding an image. Uh, but it, it's certainly something that, um, you know, you, you have to be genuine. There's, there's, only, there's only one you. And I think there are all unique characteristics we all have um that you know like you said for for people to buy into it um they need to know that it's real and so you know if if we're asking our players to take certain steps to get better you better be getting better yourself and um you know i think the other side of it is um i always want to try and portray the the real part of me that you know you know, reading and, and professional development is one thing, but we're all human beings too. And so I have interests outside of, you know, outside of hockey that uh, I try to make public. And, you know, even if it's getting to know players on a day-to-day -day basis, revealing those little um, golden truths about yourself that go beyond the game. I, I love music and I, I love fashion. You know, you can go on my Instagram and see all the crazy suits that I have. I mean, that's a big part of who I am. And I think, you know, you reveal those to, um, to your players, but to other people, and they get to see that, hey, it's not just all business all the time. Uh, you're, you're a human being, not, not a human doing. So um, I think that's a really big part of it is just uh, walking the walk and, and not just talking the talk. I think that's probably the, the most important thing when it comes to, you know, your personal brand or, you know, I guess to tie it into a team level, and you probably experience this more than, than I do, um, because you recruit your players to come play at your program. You need to, your program needs to be seen as something intentionally, right? Uh, I think that's probably a big part of how you get players to commit to coming to you is this is what we're about. This is who we are. Yeah, and that is intentional. You have an internal identity and, and there's also external relations that are very important in, in promoting your, your team. Like I would assume in Erie, you know, there's, there's a, a significant community engagement, um, you know, priority. And, and that affects ticket sales, it affects uh, the, the experience your players are having. And, and it's, a, it's no different for us. 
you know, it's so important, but I think one of the things that you can really do is, is, is share the good news when you have it. Like, I think in hockey, we're, we're, it's so important to be humble and there's an expectation of, of, of how you're supposed to act and how you're, you know, and, and, you know, that's why hockey coaches pretty much, you know, and scouts, like they, they, they look the same. You can see them. They walk in, there's an expectation of, of how you stand, how you talk, how you dress. Uh, same thing with coaches. There's a way, like when you're down in Naples, I mean, geez, like you got, you got 250 coaches and they're all clones of each other. Um, and it's not to say it's bad. It's just the culture. It's what the, it's the behavior that's ex- expected. And, 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 and it feels good too, but I think, you know, part of that is, is cause, cause you fit in, it feels good. Um, but being yourself is a competitive advantage. Like you don't need to be anybody else, just be you. And, and so when you have good news, whether it's your team or yourself, finding ways to, to share that, I think is really important. Um, you know, I, I, I was laughing when you talk about Naples. I mean, I know when we were at Harrow, uh, we'd go down and we used to call the coaches, the peacocks. And it's funny because someone who was an aspiring coach, uh, all I wanted was to, to be one of the peacocks walking around with my team logo on the shirt, instead of trying to sell them to people. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things, and I think we're seeing it now with the, the state that the world is in, that, um, you know, at one time, hockey certainly, out of all the major sports, was the one that um, probably discouraged um, individuality more than any other. It's, it's a team sport. It's all about the team. You listen to the guys in the interviews. I love that about our game, but at the same time, um, you know, using social media as a tool to promote individuality is something that's often been frowned upon. And I think now, um, as the game, you know, is trying to find ways to stay relevant and sell itself to people and, and grow, they're really um, relying on players' uh, personalities and individuality to sell the game right now. It's, it's all, they, all they have. So if you look at, you know, guys with TikToks and guys with Instagram videos and content that they're pushing out. I, I think that's been a positive byproduct probably of everything that's going on right now in the world is that we're getting to see that other side of people. There's more access. And you're, you're getting to see that individuality. Um, and I think that's a really important growth for, for our game is that, you know, it, it is a team sport, but like I said, we're, we're all human beings and we all have different things that make us unique and um i think that's a you know that's a really important part of of growing the sport is is leaning into that too so um but you talked about you know community engagement and it going you know beyond just what you're doing on the ice uh i think having everybody in your organization on board with what your identity is is a really important piece And, and a team that i'm you know, often envious of, I think a lot of people are in the Canadian Hockey League is, is the London Knights. They're, they're one that's really got a brand that you know who they are. And it's because their, their social media is in line with it. Their sales team is in line with it. Their coaching staff, their players, you know, you, you walk into uh, the Bud Gardens and there's a certain feel and you look at their NHL alumni and the championship banners and the rafters. And they're certainly um, some branding there that's been done and they do a great job of, of cultivating that and maintaining it. And, um, 
you know, it, it's, it's different. It's certainly different than how uh, maybe an NCAA program has to shape their image, but it's similar in a lot of ways too. Um, and it's a competitive advantage. You know, you go in there and you know what to expect. Um, it, it can be intimidating as an opponent too. So, you know, one more thing that I wanted to chat with you about is, is something we've, we've talked about offline and that is, um, you know, just the idea of growing your network. I know that we've had some conversations about that and, and quite frankly, when I, when I see the Niagara hockey coaches seminar and, and, and actually the, you know, maybe looking back to Naples, maybe we did meet when you were Harrow and I was walking around like a peacock, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, where, where I remember us really connecting was at the coaches site conference in Toronto a few years ago. And, you know, somehow I think we ended up at the same table for lunch and we're, we're sitting around talking and, um, you know, and now here we are three, four, five years later, sort of reconnected on a new level. And, and I think like that, there's so much to that. I mean, how have you approached, you know, because networking coaching is really important for a lot of reasons, like for sure, for opportunities and to advance your career, but also just like coaching can be uh, it's in a sense, it, it's, it's a lonely job. You have a staff of course that you can fight in, but um, nobody really knows what it's like unless you are one of the coaches. And uh, so, so you'd have a network of people that you lean on and you talk on the phone and uh, you know, we talk a lot on the phone. I, in fact, my three-year-old the other day said, uh, Hey, you know, we're talking about what does parents do for work? My, you know, mommy's a teacher and daddy talks on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what he thinks I do. Um, you know, so how have you gone about that? That's been successful so that if, you know, so that I can learn from it, but also anybody else who, who's, who's got that question too, like, Hey, I don't have a lot of connections, but how do I grow that? Yeah, it's certainly a daunting um, you know, when you're first trying to enter, I think any industry, um, you know, there, there are certainly people who have advantages that others don't, whether it's family connection or, you know, some other port of entry that you don't have. And this is a question that, you know, I get a lot um, from aspiring, you know, coaches or, or people trying to enter the hockey industry is, is how do I network? I mean, I think you know, even when you go to school, uh, certainly in business, they tell you the importance of growing your network and um, how it's going to help you in your career for, for all the reasons that you just said. What, what they never really tell you is how to network. I mean, it's something that, um, you know, everyone talks about how important it is. And I feel like very few people tell you how to do it exactly. What's the practical application? And I think it's something that, you know, I've certainly learned uh, organically through through growth and trial and error um, but I, I think number one um, and, and for me you know is is not being afraid to put yourself out there and share ideas and start conversations I mean you know you talk about the Niagara Hockey Coaches Seminar uh, it's kind of funny you know how it all began um, but I was coaching junior B with the St. Catharines Falcons and our general manager, Frank Gurney, um, is a really well-connected guy. He, you know, he's a Molson rep and he's a GM of a junior hockey team. So when you combine someone who sells beer and is involved in hockey, they're going to know a lot of people and people are going to want to know you. So, um, you know, one thing that I had said to him was, geez, you know, like, you know, all these people, I'd love a chance to sit down and, and, talk hockey and, and get to know them and learn how they're doing things like you said it can be lonely and you don't know if you're on the right track so you know we actually um the way it started 
was we had about 10 people get together in his backyard. There was, you know, a couple cases of, of Coors Light and um, a whiteboard and really just no roadmap, but um, an opportunity to talk to each other. So there was, you know, uh, Mike McCourt, the Ridley head, Ridley College head coach, prep school. Uh, Dave Bell was the head coach of the Niagara Ice Dogs at the time. Murray Nystrom, who was the head coach at Brock at the time. Um, just a bunch of guys from the Niagara region who got together to talk hockey. And, uh, you know, at the end of the night, we were like, man, that was awesome. We should try and include more people. And that's kind of where I got the idea, um, you know, with Murray was, let's start a, a coaching seminar for grassroots level coaches who are coaching minor hockey, who don't have access to conversations like this, um, and, and give them an opportunity to take part in these conversations. And so the very first year, uh, I got hired by the Otters that summer. And, you know, we had our magical run. We won the OHL championship, went to the Memorial Cup final. I, I came home and it was like, all right, I need something to do. And so we started the seminar. Um, that first year was, you know, it was free for coaches to attend. We had about 60 coaches um, and the same people who were talking in the backyard were our presenters. And it was people directly in my network. Um, and, uh, and it was, you know, it was just a great, great experience overall. But I guess to tie it into the networking piece, you know, we wanted to come back for year two and the feedback was so strong, but I didn't feel comfortable enough necessarily um, approaching other people for this idea. Cause it's, you know, it's free and you can't pay like a lot of conferences. And, um, so I had to get creative and pick up the phone and just call a couple guys that I knew had ties to the area and said, Hey, would you be willing to do this? Here's what we're doing. And, uh, you know, the response was great. It was positive. And we got a couple people on board to come and be presenters. And, you know, just through that uh, relationship development, you build the network and it's someone else that you can call later on down the road. And what I found now, now we're in our fourth year is um, what started as a grassroots level thing where it was mostly minor hockey coaches, the attention has is, is started to grow um, beyond that. And, you know, all of a sudden junior coaches and professional coaches who were in the area wanted to come and listen to people speak. And then they come up and introduce themselves. And I think we're all in the same boat. And so, um, you know, one of the things that I've done to try and help build my own network is just, you know, getting my name out there and, and, and talking to people. I mean, that's the easiest way to do it. Yeah, it's simple, but it's hard to do. You've got to have courage sometimes to be able to, to reach out and, and uh, start that conversation. And everybody's uh, tolerance to that is different. I think that when it comes down to it, it's about doing a really good job in everything that you do. Um, try to do the right thing all the time and, and build relationships because if you look at networking in terms of a job search, like it's really hard in, in hockey to chase jobs, meaning you see it. Oh, a job's open. I'll apply. <laughs> right. If you're applying for the job, your chances are pretty low because you know, when you get jobs, it's because somebody, you know, you get a random text message, you know, at nine thirty at night on the couch. And so, you know, it's kind of this, this, uh, back channel, you know, would you be, what do you think about this or that? And you know, that's sort of how it happens. So 
you you really have to take the long the long play the long game i think and that you know building a relationship today you know the relationship's important for the the camaraderie and the learning and the giving and taking but that relationship may pay off five ten years later you know a good example is i heard mike babcock talk one time and he speaks about he has a picture when he's coaching the Red Wings and in front of him is Brendan Shanahan and Steve Eisman on the bench. And he says that he didn't know when he was coaching the Detroit Red Wings that he was actually, you know, essentially auditioning for the role of Team Canada's head coach because Steve Eisman hired him for that job. And he didn't know that he was applying for the Toronto Maple Leafs job at the time, but he was because Brendan Shanahan hired him. So that goes back to, you know, doing a good job, uh, working hard and, and, and the relationship. So, um, and, and the last thing, like this is what my wife says, she says, if you want to marry a doctor, you got to hang out in the hospital. So, you know, go, go where, uh, you know, put yourself in those positions, you know, go to those conferences, be a part of the Niagara hockey seminar, do the other ones. And, um, you know, and I think that that's a great way to go about it. Yeah, I mean, you know, my experience is very much the same getting the job with the Otters. It, it just kind of, I was nodding and laughing as you were saying, sitting on the couch. I mean, that's, that's exactly what happened um, for me. You know, I, it was a Sunday night. I, I got a call from, from Frank and um, he said, hey, you know, when I was the assistant coach of the Niagara Ice Dogs, uh, Dave Brown was the GM and he's the GM of the Erie Otters now and they're hiring an assistant coach and um i i was talking to him and it sounded like you're the type of guy that they're looking for so i gave him your name and he's expecting you to to send him an email and so i you know i i wasn't even looking for a job in the ohl at that point i knew long term that's what i you know wanted to get into but it kind of happened by mistake i i emailed them um within the hour you know i had uh, a resume ready to go and just said hey you know i I was told to contact you basically. Um, I'd be happy to talk. And, uh, you know, that night I got a phone call from uh, Chris Knobloch, who was the head coach of the Otters. And he said, I'm driving through Niagara tomorrow on my way to Toronto. Um, you know, do you want to go for coffee? And so, you know, in less than 24 hours, I was sitting in a coffee shop, it was Starbucks in Niagara Falls. And, you know, we ended up being there for three hours and, and two weeks later I, I had a three-year contract to be an assistant coach with the Erie Otters and it really you know like you said it wasn't a job that I was applying for I certainly wasn't looking um, but I guess you know to bring the conversation all in a roundabout way you know one of the things they were looking for was someone with experience in analytics and I had been working now at that point at Staffleet's an analytics company for two years and they were looking for you know, someone who had experience um, planning travel and ordering food because that's a part of an assistant coach's job in the OHL. And I had been doing that, you know, in my sales job, um, planning travel itineraries for all the people, our sales team at Harrow. And they were looking for someone who was comfortable, you know, doing curfew calls and, and working with teenagers outside of hockey. And because of my experience coaching kids for so long um, and, and kind of learning you know, like you said, all, all coaching eight-year-olds is different than coaching 16-year-olds, but, but they're still just kids. And so I, I think all those experiences, you know, uh, were things that I had and uh, the right opportunity came at the right time. But, you know, when you talk about growing your network, you're also growing your net worth. <laughs> and um, all the experiences were, 
were sort of that net worth, the personal net worth that I was, um, you know, able to translate that into, into a job. So, um, you know, networking is, like you said, it's, it's challenging. Um, it takes some courage, but, but some of it just happens, you know, naturally, you know, you're out there, you're doing your job. Someone said this to me, uh, before it's like, um, you have to practice, you know, do it when it doesn't matter so that when it does, you're ready. And so if you're coaching, you know, midget AAA or you're coaching, um, peewee house league, um, you know, you still have to approach it like you're coaching, uh, in the OHL, right? Like you, you, you put in the time and the effort, you do a good job, you're thorough, you're, you know, you, I think uh, you're practicing for what it matters. And you're also, you know, you're also working with the people right in front of you who are seeing the job that you're doing. And eventually, you know, who knows where that, uh, where that door will open um, based on those experiences. Yeah, that's terrific. And, you know, Wes, I, I love how authentic you are and I love what you're doing. And um, it's been so much fun reconnecting with you. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to see what's, you know, what's the store for, uh, for you and your future and coaching you're off to an unbelievable start so um again thank you for for spending some time with me today and um we should do it again sometime yeah i appreciate you having me it's been a lot of fun you know uh, when you when you approached me about doing a presentation for the niagara hockey coaches seminar i was pumped i mean uh like you said we had met a few years back at the, the coaches site and um you know, through our networks, I knew we had some mutual connections, so I knew it was going to be great. And, uh, it was fun jumping on this call. I, I really appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Thanks, man. Take care. Yeah, thanks.